My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. Take a listen to this. There on the trumpet is Keon Harold. Uh, that's a tune called The Intellectual from his new album, Foreverland. Keon Harold, Grammy award-winning musician. You might not know his name, but man, oh man, you know the people he's played with. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Rihanna, Diana Ross, Snoop Dogg. They've all used his music. Don Cheadle even used him to play trumpet like Miles Davis. What I mean by that is like he consulted Keon Harold when he had to look like he was playing like Miles Davis. But who he's worked with is only part of it. Keon is from Ferguson, Missouri. His last album, The Mugician, was about the killing of Michael Brown, which happened in his hometown. So Keon is thinking a lot about the world we live in right now and the world he lives in. On his new album, he's processing a racial assault that he and his son suffered in New York back in 2020, an assault that went viral. And you'll hear him open up a little bit about that. But it's a record that looks at love, loss, and vulnerability, empowerment, equality, positivity. I got the chance to talk to Keon Harold from Los Angeles about all of it recently. Here's that conversation. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Congrats on the record. I really loved it. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. So, we'll talk a little bit more about the record in just a second, but I, I want to talk um, a little bit about how this all started for you. So you grew up in a house of like 16, 17 kids in Missouri. Is that right? Yeah, come from a big family. Um, you know, my parents were in the ministry and big family, a lot of love, a lot of music, a lot of just a lot of incredible experiences. We literally had our own basketball and football team. <laughs> like team team on and, the and, and choir. <laughs> so um uh what was the music situation in the house? Your grandfather is a musician, right? Yeah, well, my grandfather played a little guitar, but he was a singer um, who was really into, you know, basically changing kids' lives, changing people's lives. So he started a drum and bugle corps, which taught thousands and thousands of kids how to play music and, you know, learn discipline and learn how to basically be great at something. So that was the thing that really got me into playing um, from the age of six to 17. Just being in that kind of organization taught me a lot. Why, why the trumpet? Um, the trumpet is the thing that, that really called me. You know, I wanted to play drums. Um, but again, that drum and bugle chord thing, everybody wants to play drums. Nobody wants to pick up the horn, but somebody had to do it. So I got picked. Okay, you play the horn. And if you, you know, whenever a space opens, you can go to the drums. I never ended up <laughs> making it to the drums because I fell in love with the horn. So you, when you're playing in the drum and bugle corps, um, that's that's one type of music. What about when when jazz? What about like specifically improvisation uh, enters your life? 
what happened was my mom started giving me records and my brother, who's my eldest brother, who I looked up to, would take me to this music store and I would get these recordings and I would get these Jamie Abersall books. And then, you know, they told me that improvisation was the key. So I started learning. I started listening to the jazz station, which was called 88.7 WSIE. And the guy would play music from Maynard Ferguson. Play Cat Anderson with, with, with Duke Gallantin. And, you know, I was obsessed with, you know, trying to play high notes and everything like that. And it was just amazing music. So I started um, at that time, you would have a tape deck and you can just record. You know, I would get my tapes, get my Maxell tapes and, and, and record all of the trumpet solos. And I would try to play that. Um, you know, by ear, didn't really know that that was called transcribing at the mm-hmm. time. And that pretty much was the thing that really got me going. And it literally became my language as I had to have this, had to learn new music, had to learn new content. And it it, it just, it just called me in that way. So when you mentioned Duke Ellington, like, were you, were you, were you drawn more to more straight ahead? Here's the, here's the rhythm changes uh, type of improvisation, or were you drawn to the more abstract improvisation right off the get-go? For me, in the beginning, it was the big band coming from the German Bugle Corps stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we used to play arrangements um, of Count Basie and Duke Ellington, um, you know, which actually set me up because one of my first career tours was playing with the Count Basie Orchestra. Wow. And we had played, you know, songs like This Could Be the Start of Something Big. We played songs like, you know, I Can't Stop Loving You. You know, things like that really, really inspire me, you know, until I heard this trumpet player named Clifford Brown. That changed everything for me. Like literally recording each and every one of his solos, me trying to play Joy Spring, me trying to play what is this thing called love, learning the names of his album and literally trying to put myself in his aura like that really, really changed me. From that, it was Lee Morgan. From that, it was Miles. From that, it was Clark Terry and and Booker Little and Kenny Dorham and, you know, and Chet Baker. All of these guys were, you know, starting to pour into who I am as a as a creative. How did it go over at home when you started getting into more, let's say, like more abstract jazz? I think for me, it was more choosing what kind of music I wanted to play, whether that be gospel music, because I was doing that, you know, then it was R&B, then obviously hip hop is is there. You know, I felt like I was an outlier in choosing the idea I'm going to play jazz and everything that that is, whatever its mini splendor is, I'm doing that because I really think about it. I think the way Quincy Jones thinks about it, it's like there's two kinds of music is good and bad and whatever and whatever content. Yeah, yeah. And whatever content I can get um, that inspires, I'm taking that. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, I look at Eric Dolphy the same way I look at Kenny Dorham. One is, one can be esoteric, quote unquote. 
but the other one can can give you all this melodicism. But at the same time, they're still talking to my heart. And as a musician, that's my goal is to really get to people's heart. Whatever the the medium is, the message has to get there. So I take it all and take what I can use and everything else. I just, you know, sit it on the side for another time. I, I love I love that so much. Uh, yeah, esoteric's the better word than abstract, and I I, I really do mm-hmm. I do really appreciate that. Um, speaking of, you mentioned hip hop there. I mean, you moved to New York uh, straight out of school. Um, I read you talk about how the culture shock hit you when you first got there, but you got this sort of uh-huh. life changing gig playing with Common, the, the the rapper Common. Talk to me about that culture shock. Talk to me about why the gig with Common was such a transformative thing for you. I was pretty young, like seventeen, seven and a half, almost eighteen. And when I moved to New York, it was just open. It was a smorgasbord of culture. Um, it was a gumbo of incredible creatives. And the, the scene was amazing. A lot of people doing incredible projects and, you know, hearing the, the people that I listened to on the records actually come hang out at places like Smalls and the Vanguard and different places. It was, it was kind of a, you know, for me at the time, it was like a paradise of dopeness, like for real, for <laughs> yeah, real. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And and when I got there, I I, I learned right away. Um, the great Winter Marcellus told me this. He's like, you know, when you get there, it's going to seem a certain way, but just know that you must bring the energy. You must be the change that you want to see. You must be the the the, the vehicle that you want to see in music, that you want to see pushed forward. Just know that you must figure out what that answer is. So it took me a long time to really process that. That's one of the greatest lessons of my life that I'm still, you know, still dealing with. Um, shout out to Wint Marcellus. Um, you know, another thing when I got there, I thought I was moving to New York City to be the next great jazz trumpet player that plays in a quintet. But my first gig ended up playing with the rapper Common for his his, his record like Water for Chocolate. I never knew a la 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 a la like this. Gotta be something for me to write this. Queen, I ain't seen you in a minute. Which really opened my horizons to people like Hugh Masekela and Afrobeats and, 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 and Jojo Quo and so many other amazing people um, and The Roots and D'Angelo and and different things that really just opened up my horizon on what the trumpet or how the trumpet could exist in popular music, which is important to me because I feel like the music that I believe or the the music that I play, I feel like it should go to the masses. It's not some secret thing that you keep under a, a light shade. I feel like everybody should get a chance to access and engage. Yeah. Back to what you were saying about like about Winton giving you that advice about being that change, you know, bringing bringing your spirit to the scene, not letting the scene kind of form uh, and you as an observer, but bringing yourself to it. I'm curious about that, how that works in the in the studio. So, like when you when you get to work with, as I mentioned this in the introduction, like people like you know Jay Z and Rihanna and, and Mary J. Blige and D'Angelo and Snoop and you know Eminem and Queen Latifah, Beyonce. I mean, I could keep going, <laughs> but but. Um, when you, what's your relationship with these artists when you're in a session with them? Like, how much can you bring of yourself to sessions with artists like that, unselfconsciously? Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you first 
break into a scene, it's like you're coming and you, you're just trying to fill a position. But at some point you grow and you become the void. And in that, you know, you get a chance to show up as yourself. Um, you know, I appreciate what all these artists bring. Um, but at the same time, I appreciate, you know, what I can bring because I've traveled a road, um, not like many, a few, but, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experience and, and, and I know that my sound has a, um, has a certain savor to it. It has a certain thing. It's a certain vibe and it's very unique. So I know when I play the trumpet that my sound is going to be just as important as maybe the lead artist sometimes. So I have, I'm very aware of that. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Coming up, more of my conversation with the musician Keon Harold. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. I'm John Power. You're listening to Q. Here's more of my conversation with the musician Keon Harold. What's what's the story I heard about? Um, something about you ended up playing with Diana Ross because she had a dream about a trumpet or something like that. Is that right? Yeah. Um, man. Shout out to the queen, Diana Ross. Um, I was doing, I was actually doing some shows with Common around the election of of Joe Biden. And we were doing, you know, some campaign rallies. And I get a call from Diana Ross. And <laughs> this is Crazy. like, well, you know, that, you know, she had had a dream and and had this sound in her head for a long time about this song that she had dedicated to her grandson. And it was the most, you know, beautiful sound that she had heard. And she was looking for the sound of that trumpet player for a long time. And it just so happens that it was me, um, which is, I can't even make this up, you know. Um, and it was just kind of like, wow. And that was literally one of the most special recordings I've, I've, I've ever done. Don't change, stay as perfect as you are, you are. Um, Don Cheadle hires you for the Miles Davis biopic, Miles ahead. Um, you, among other things, you had to do with that with that film and that soundtrack. You also taught him to um, play trumpet, or at least make his trumpet playing look convincing. Mm-hmm. What 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 was the? I guess I would love to know, like, what are some of the things that you told him that he had to get right to be Miles? So when I when I get when I get called to be a part of the Miles Ahead film. Um, my job was to make Don Cheeto's fingers look like he was actually playing. Right. Um, so when you see the music as a trumpet player, when you see the film, everything that he plays is is technically correct. You have the original masters, but then 
a lot of times you just see him, you know, just moving his fingers. And that's what happened. You know, typically, you know, when you do some of these picks like Mo Better Blues, the music was recorded and then, you know, Denzel learned the fingering. This was the opposite. They recorded the film. Um, Don was moving his fingers and I had to basically make his fingering make sense musically. Obviously, with a trumpet, it's only three valves. So there's only certain combinations that will actually work, you know, looking at his face. How did it look? Did it look like he's playing high? Does it look like he's playing low? Looks like he's playing sweet or fast. You know, so I would have to do like maybe 10 iterations of each combinations of his fingerings throughout the whole movie. So it was a, a situation that was crazy, not just to make it sound right, but to make it sound like Miles Davis, which was, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. I don't know if I would take on something like that again. Don Cheadle ends up giving you the nickname The Mugician, the mixture of a musician and a magician. And that became the title of your of your second album. Uh, I want to play a track from that record now. From, from his 2017 album, The Mugician, that is my guest, Keon Harold and M.B. Lament, which is a reflection on the killing of Michael Brown, who's an 18-year-old black man shot and killed by police in Ferguson, Missouri, where Keon grew, grew up. Um, so, so when something like that, like this incredibly violent tragedy, this massive you know, news story, um, Obama's on the news talking about it, it, it becomes a, I mean, in Canada, we're talking about it. And it happens in the town in which you you grew up. What what does that do to you? And then like, how does channeling all that stuff through through music help you out? Man, it was such a time in the United States. It was a time, you know, just to know that that's where I grew up. Um, it really hit deep. It was a visceral time, and it and it and it changed. It changed me. You know, the irony is. Growing up in Ferguson, which is a beautiful place to grow up, but at the same time, there are certain things that you can't really say, certain things that you, that you know um, about the about the culture of of, of police, the, the culture of, of race and things that exist that are not really talked about. Um, when the thing happened with Mike Brown, when he was killed, it really showed the things that we couldn't express as black people, as young black men growing up in Ferguson, growing up in St. Louis, um, the racial divide that actually still exists everywhere. You know, it, it, it played a lot, a lot um, into what happened to him. You know, no parent wants to find out that their child was basically shot and and left for dead in the middle of the street um in the middle of the daytime nobody wants that and and there is no validation for that in any way because it shouldn't it should never happen yeah. so you know we were just you know used to seeing stuff like that unfortunately um it just so happens that this one hit the masses at a time when things were starting to go quote-unquote viral on the streets of Ferguson, Missouri, outrage and anger. No Protesters of different ages and races demanding answers in the shooting death of 18-year-old Michael Brown at the hands of a policeman. So it, it, it really changed me. It, it makes it makes me right. It 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 it, it opens me up. It's it's a I must release the feelings from, you know, I have to 
take these emotions and turn them into visceral vibrations. You know, that can be from the horn, that could be from the keys, that can be an arrangement, whatever that is, I must get it out. Um, it, it literally is my proverbial tears um, to, to get the music, you know, from, from my heart, you know, to a record and then to somebody else so they can understand from a different, a different angle. I mean that 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 goes to the to the new new record as well. You know, um, one of the things that that um, you find out about when you start looking into the to the new record to Foreverland, you start you know learning a little bit about Find Your Peace, which is, you know, the the story. If people haven't heard it, is um, as much as you want to talk about this, it's this incredibly racist incident that happened to you in a New York hotel lobby back in 2020. You and your 14-year-old son are assaulted by a woman who falsely accuses him of stealing her iPhone. It turns out she had left it in, in an Uber. And and I, I mean, I remember seeing that video when it happened and, and people were calling her the Soho Karen. Um, take me back to that day. Like, what was going through your head while all that was happening? Man, I was in New York City. You know, the day after Christmas, and you know, I walk downstairs, and a lady wrongfully accuses my son of stealing her iPhone. I try to, you know, I advocate for him, and that wasn't enough. So she attacked him. You know, I I play this in my head quite often. Still, um, again, these kind of incidents happen all the time, and it's unfortunate that it happened to my family, but. I think the blessing is that I had a platform that people could actually see, um, you know, and on the other side, typically when it comes to a young black man, something happening to him, whether that be law enforcement or anything else, they're, they're dead and they can't speak for themselves. So this situation was, was different in that way. Musically, I have, I have the opportunity to, to express that. The song Find Your Peace is a great example. You know, it says find your peace inside because you can't control the things outside. Own your peace inside. Situations are going to test you. So you got to free your mind. You can leave all that stuff behind. But what you can't control, you can't give your time. Things will work out fine. Find your peace. Gotta let it find that peace of mind. Can't control things outside. You know, that's that's my mantra with so many things that happen to us, that happen to our loved ones, that, you know, we gotta find ways to, you know, to cope and deal and know that, guess what, we're going to be all right. No matter what, <laughs> this crazy thing is going to happen to my son. It's going to happen, you know, to our, to our life. It's going to go viral. But at the same time, we're going to come on a, on the other side of it and basically, you know, get a chance to advocate for others in their struggles. Things will work Um, and also create some new music that actually might, you know, change the way other people think, you know, that might bring down some of these racial undertones that actually find themselves in everyday life. So I, I don't mind being the champion for change. Did you did you play the song for your son? Find your peace. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely played this the the song for my son. He listens to it. He loves it. Where my verse escapes. I know patience is gold. It's truly worth the wait. Took time with self. A lot was going on. Alone in the weeks, I found where I was strong. 
Uh, I want to I close off by just going back to something you were just talking about, the idea that like, hey, so, you know, making this music about, you know, these things that happen, you know, they help me, they help me process it, they help me take this, this, this anger or sadness I might be feeling and transmit those vibrations into like, I guess, you know, musical vibrations into a creative experiment or a creative expression. And then you said like, you know, it's, it's also an idea that maybe I can, some of this music can reach people and try to like do some, do some good here. And I wanted to get uh, something from me on that before we go. And while you were talking about the trumpet in a, when I was doing some research, getting ready for this interview, I saw you referred to the trumpet as a call to action. And that goes right back to the Bible. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. Um, when we think, I mean, I'm a Christian, um, and my my parents, my mom and dad used to, you know, used to drill me um, <laughs> back in the day on scriptures. I'm not a hundred percent at the moment, so I couldn't give you direct <laughs> yeah, direct passages. I don't at have the, the moment. I, said, I don't have I don't have the quiz in front of me. You're good. You're good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but again, the sentiment and the stories are there. That you know, the trumpet was the thing that that can blow down the walls of any kind of controversy, any kind of any kind of situation that's stopping you from being your greatest self, stopping somebody else from breaking out to what who it is that they need to be, or you know, getting away from the BS that exists so often all over the place. Um, the trumpet is it's a call to action. It's a it, it's a battle cry, um, and I, I don't take it for granted that. I've been blessed to have that instrument as basically my sword of action. I think vibra- vibrations tear down so many, so many fences. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful way of thinking about this music, and it's a powerful way of thinking about this record. Um, congratulations on it, and thanks for making the time to talk to us a little bit about your your story today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Look forward to talking to you the next time. I'm waiting for answers. I got my hands up Are you sleepless like me too? Or caught up in the perfect dream? Do you long for me? Or do you walk alone? It's my conversation with Keon Harold. His new album Foreverland is out now. Keon's uh, going to be playing the Montreal Jazz Festival in, in July. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take the train. Maybe I'll head out and take the train. Uh, uh, if you're not already subscribed to our podcast, Q with Tom Power. I mean, you're listening to it right now, but if you want to subscribe or I think they call it following on Spotify. Anyway, whatever. Like if you can do the thing where this shows up automatically on your phone, like a U2 album, I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, the other thing I will tell you is the other conversation we put up today. What a laugh. Uh, Pablo Schreiber, star of Halo. Speaking of Beyonce, the star of Halo, the the TV series based on the on the video game. My favorite part of the interview, and if I can, if my job right now is to get you to go listen to it. I think I can do it through this. He tells one of the all-time great stories we've heard on Q. He gets cast on The Wire for his first TV gig. So, like, his first real TV gig is in the greatest TV show of all time. First day of shooting, his first day on set, his first big TV gig, sleeps in and shows up, like, a couple of hours late and his storytelling on that is spectacular go if nothing else go check it out for that all right we'll see you soon later on
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.